Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus' words to Thomas as he shows himself to doubting Thomas to be alive on that Sunday after Easter. Perhaps a little weird to think about Easter when we're just a few, a few days shy of Christmas. And yet how appropriate that we consider this, this darkness of, not, of seeing and yet not believing the light, uh, versus the light of not seeing and yet believing. On December 21st, the darkest day of the year. Eight hours, 59 minutes, and 45 seconds. That's how much daylight we had today. Here at this latitude, at least in Oregon, Wisconsin, at least according to a Google search. It's the shortest and darkest day of the year. Do you know how much more daylight we get tomorrow? We get a whole one second more of daylight. Aren't you excited? One second more. Maybe it's not much, but the day after that we get six seconds more, then 10 seconds more, and then it grows exponentially. A little light gives way to the brightness eventually of summer and 90 degrees not negative 40 or whatever it's going to be tomorrow. There's only two ways the day can go. It can only get darker or it can only get lighter. Those are the only two options, either darkness or light. And so even one second more of lightness means everything. For St. Thomas, he was heading the opposite direction after Jesus' death. Maybe it wasn't much at first. Likely it was just a little bit of doubt when Jesus was captured by Judas and the others. Thomas was in denial. This, this can't be happening. Perhaps that, that doubt, that denial grew into anger when Jesus is on trial before Pontius Pilate. And he and all the other disciples, besides John, have fled. How could they do that? Or how could the rest of his disciples just, just leave him and me like that? Perhaps Thomas tried pleading then with God that, that God would change the outcome of the trial and that Jesus would be released. But then Jesus is sentenced and is now hanging on the cross. And Thomas starts to despair. Finally, when Jesus is buried, what started as a little doubt is now full-on unbelief. And this is evident because on Sunday, when Jesus appears to the disciples, the only one missing is Thomas. And it's not like he was just out getting groceries. Thomas has rejected the company of the apostles. He chooses not to be present on a Sunday in the gathering of the group. He's left the gathering. He's left the church out of denial, out of anger, out of grief, and probably a host of other emotions. 
the church and Jesus have let Thomas down. Most people, most people who have gone through a traumatic experience like, like this can likely relate with the feelings of St. Thomas. Uh, the thoughts and feelings spiraling downward, the darkness spiraling out of control. But at the moment, you don't notice. It's like a one-second change in light. There's only two directions though the light can go, uh, to brightness and to sight, or to darkness and blindness. And the natural place to go is inward. If you've been let down or you perceive that you've been let down or things have not gone the way that, that you had planned or thought, you, you seek comfort in the only person who, uh, according to your mind, has, has not let you down, you think, yourself. But really, that's not true either. See, we have a hard time being objective when things are going well, when we can actually see and, and seemingly in our control, let alone when things are completely out of our control. And without any outside interference, Thomas would have likely kept sinking deeper and de deeper into the darkness of his unbelief. But miraculously, really miraculously, he's here the next Sunday. He's actually within the company of the other apostles, the other believers, the week after Easter. And did you hear why? Did you hear why he's there with them? Thomas, one of the twelve, the one called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling him, we have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. Thomas' absence wasn't missed by the other apostles. They didn't ignore it, hoping it might get better. The other disciples knew he was gone, and they wanted him back. And they maybe experienced slightly different things, but, but they know how he's feeling because at bare minimum, they're human too. But they also know that Jesus appeared to them alive. And that changes everything. So they go to him. And John writes that they kept telling him, we have seen the Lord. They kept telling him over and over. And so what do you think they said? Come and see. Come and see. We have seen, we have seen the risen Lord. Come and see. It's that one second doesn't seem like it matters change. But now Thomas is in the place where he needs to be. He's in the congregation of believers, in the company of those who are able to point him beyond his subjective feelings and opinions to objective truth. And that's what Christianity is, objective truth. This is shown in the fact that Jesus shows Thomas his hands and feet and side. He doesn't wait. Christ does not wait to show Thomas his hands and feet and side. He offers. Christ himself offers before, before Thomas can do anything. He offers to show him his hands and feet and side, and then even to have Thomas put his finger into the holes of his hands and in his side. Christ, risen from the dead, is not some apparition or sphere. This is not make-believe. He is the same man born of the Virgin Mary with flesh and bones that was dead but is now alive and is speaking to Thomas. So it's all, all to say that Christ is not risen merely if you believe him to be risen. He is 
risen. Christ isn't God if you believe him to be God. He is God. God didn't become man, born of a virgin Mary, if you believe him to become man. He did become man and still is. So what do you do if you know people like Thomas who doubt, who doubt all of this? Well, tell them to come and see. Show them Christ's hands and feet and side. After all, with Thomas, the doubting, this is not how to start a religion with the person doubting. And yet that person doubting, who then is shown the real physical proof of something that cannot by definition happen, confirms everything else that Christ ever said or did. It confirms that Jesus is the Son of God, that he has risen, from the dead, and all of his teachings are true. And besides, Thomas wasn't the only one. St. Paul, in a real letter to real people in the city of Corinth, wrote that Jesus appeared to 500 more people, over 500 more people. Uh, and he says to the Corinthians, uh, who were uh, doubters and, and unbelievers, uh, some of them at least, he, he says to them, some of them, some of those 500 that Jesus appeared to, are actually still alive. Most of them are still alive. So in other words, if you want more proof that Jesus is alive, you don't believe me, go ask them, these other 500 eyewitnesses. And besides, Christianity doesn't grow and spread because, of, because a bunch of men faked the resurrection. Those same men would be tortured and killed over this. And yet the story never changes. Jesus rose from the dead. And if you don't believe us, go find the body. Come and see. Or what do you do if you know people like Thomas who experienced some trauma that led them away from the congregation of believers who, who wonder why God could ever let something evil happen? Again, ask them to, to come and see. See the nail prints and, and the spear marks. The worst evil, the worst evil that has ever happened on the earth was the death of the innocent Son of God carried out by sinful people. And yet, through that worst evil, God worked the most marvelous good, the redemption and forgiveness of the world. It's why, it's why Jesus says to Thomas and the other disciples who are still uh, afraid and locked behind closed doors out of fear of what, they, what evil the Jews will do to them, Jesus says to them, peace be with you. Jesus, who experienced evil, is here to comfort them, and he's here to comfort you. We heard another account of, uh, another example of, of this in Habakkuk, who, like Thomas, took his stand and, and refused to simply uh, accept something and, and argued and wrestled with God, struggling to, to figure out God's incomprehensible ways. Why would God Allow this to happen. He wanted to know if what God says or does is true. And yet Habakkuk waits to hear what God will say. And like Thomas, when called upon by God to believe, he submits. He submits in faith and trusts God's words, even before he touches his hands and side. The Lord promises to answer those who call upon him, though in his own time and manner. But he does give us this comfort that he is a God who suffers for us, 
why he came at Christmas, to be our brother, to suffer everything that we go through, to be with us, to suffer for us, and to suffer with us. And, and he is willing to show us his own battle scars. So come and see. Or finally, what do you do if you, if you know people who, like Thomas, maybe feel hurt by the congregation of believers itself? Well, again, ask them to come and see. See Christ's body and blood. The church is his body. He became man in order to sanctify fallen humanity. And he does that in the church, which by definition on this side of glory cannot and is not perfect. And the way that Christ does this today, the way he sanctifies the imperfect church, the way he forgives sins and binds us closer in fellowship to one another and, and in more fervent love toward one another is through his body and blood, the sacraments of Holy Communion. This meal in which Jesus unites us with himself also unites us with those around us and increases our love for God and for each other. So come and see. There is nothing that's worth it to cut ourselves off from this crucified and risen body of our Lord present for us today. There's nothing worth it. We can actually come and see, not with our eyes, for all we'll see are the visible elements of, uh, of bread and wine. Instead, Christ invites us to come and see with the eyes of faith, to see him in, with, and under the bread and the wine, given and shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And it's here, like St. Thomas, that we hear the peace of the Lord be with you always. We see with the eyes of faith that our sufferings are preparing us for, uh, preparing us for an even greater weight of glory. We see with the eyes of faith that heaven itself has already begun for us, for believers, though not yet fully. We see with the eyes of faith that we get to feast with Christ, who became man, born of the Virgin Mary. That's why we have Christ's Mass. Receiving Christ in his body and blood. And someday, we have the promise that our faith will turn into sight. The darkness will completely give way to the light. We will have no more need for faith because then we'll see perfectly what God has already uh, always intended us to see. And until then, we have the Word of God, which John says has been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I'm going to leave you with a quote from a, a church father around the time of the Reformation, Johann Spagenberg. Listen to what he says. By Thomas' refusal to believe, without seeing and feeling, Thomas laid such a foundation for the article of Christ's resurrection that we can have no more doubt about it. It is profitable and good that the great saints and pillars of Christendom have fallen, that we poor sinners might not lose hope in our own fall, but be able to take comfort in these examples and think, he who graciously helped the dear disciples will not leave us either.
God will not leave us either. That's what Christmas is all about. Advent is all about Christ coming to us. God not being content to be far away, to remain far from us, but to be near us. And instead, he comes into our own flesh and blood. And by his coming into our own flesh and blood, and by his rising and appearing to Thomas, God has provided proof that all of his promises to us are true. Christ invited Thomas to come and see, not by, uh, to come and see by sight, so that along with him, uh, we might see more truly by faith. So come and see. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.